up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. I could tell you what I did this weekend. Phil, I would love for you to tell me what you did this weekend. Good, because I have got questions, like deep philosophical, life-altering type questions. The kinds of questions that make you question your existence. You always have the answers to these types of questions, Chris. Do you think we're doing this podcast because I want to learn how to cook? No, that's just a ruse. We're doing it because I need to know how to live my life, Chris. So I ask you. Okay. (laughs) But let's get back to what I did this weekend. So I hung some ceiling fans. Okay. That's Three of them, to be exact. When it's coming to uh, this particular time of year. It's getting a little warmer, getting a little toasty. Thought it'd be a good idea to hang some ceiling fans. Were you replacing other ceiling fans or putting in new ceiling fans? So, nope, these were brand new, just replacing like the generic builder stipe lights, the boob lights, as they say. (laughs) And I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, so these are brand new ceiling fans. And every single wire in all three bedrooms was painted white. And it really bothered me. Like, why would they be painted white? I mean, I was able to, like, scrape away with my thumbnail to know what, you know, what, what color goes where. But what's with the white paint, Chris? But you you had to go through all the work of getting your thumbnail dirty. Actually, have you ever had dried that paint underneath your un- thumbnail? It's very uncomfortable. Unacceptable. Well, I guess you could scrape up instead of scraping down, and then it wouldn't be under your thumbnail. Maybe that's the life tip that you're looking for. I'm like, <laughs> do you imagine if that would actually work? Oh, yeah. Like, you scrape up. I don't think so. Totally works. I'll try it on the fourth one, because I still have a fourth one yet to do. Why were they painted white, though? Why do electricians paint Electrical rods white. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guess is that they weren't taped off when your house was sprayed. I don't think it was the electricians. That's what Ashley said. I think it was the painters, Phil. And I was like... I don't think electricians walk around with a bucket of white paint simple. just to mess with you. I mean, the thought went through my head. The thought went through my head. Like, is this some sort of practical joke? Like, do you think they... I mean, okay, listen, we closed down our house at the end of April. And that means several years ago. Do you think those electricians got in there on April 1st? Yeah, Phil, I'm sure that they did that just to screw with you. Anyways, if those electricians out there are listening to this show, our fan base might be larger than we thought, Chris. (laughs) They're probably still in the attic, actually, fixing themselves cocktails and having themselves a grand old time. Yeah, so how do we transition this one, Phil? I mean, I I think if you're going to hang some ceiling fans, you might as well do it right. And the only way to do it right is with a drink in your hand, right? I don't know. I don't know if uh, a martini is the right drink for hanging fans, though. Well, it might be because I always thought of a martini as something that you would enjoy when it's cold outside, when it's dumping snow. It's really? like a like a fun little drink to have over a piano at Christmas time. That was my. Are we thinking of the like, same martini, Chris? We are. What I'm saying is that the martini didn't change. I changed. Okay. You realize that. And now I'm like, okay, no, the martini actually is somewhat of a refreshing drink. And it's probably something you can enjoy while you're, you know, doing some hard labor. Okay. I suppose. I'm still not 100% sure that that should be the drink of choice for homework, home improvement work. Yeah. Homework. 
sticking with it. I do agree with you that a martini can be something that's actually quite refreshing. So Phil, uh, obviously today we are continuing our cocktails series with another classic cocktail, the martini. And when you think of a martini, okay, let's, let's rewind a little bit to that Phil that thought that a martini was a Christmas drink. What did that Phil think of when he thought of a martini, like how, how, how would you have defined what a martini is? Okay. That, that Phil, yeah. like we're, yeah. I just want to make this clear. Yeah. We're talking about that. Phil. We're talking about that Phil who is still related to this Phil, but temporarily that removed. guy talking about that guy. Okay. I, I don't oversell it, but this is not the same Phil <laughs> that's doing this show. Okay. The martini, let me, let, well, let me just tell you what it's not, Chris. A martini is not made with vodka. And well, to that Phil, that Phil thought a martini was not made of vodka. No, that, that Phil did. Okay. Right. So, so that Phil thought wrong, which uh, I feel like that voice is in my head a lot, that, that Phil thought wrong, thanks to this show. And that's okay, because it's, it's all about self-improvement. Yeah, so, so that Phil thought that a martini was made with vodka, that it was shaken, not stirred, because that Phil watched a James Bond movie around Christmas time. And I'm glad to know that that Phil is not doing this show, that this Phil is doing this show, and that this Phil is doing it with that Chris. <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest, Phil. I'm, I'm not 100% sure that both of those things are necessarily wrong. I think there's a lot of debate to be had in both of those areas. I think that if I was to go back to that same version of myself, the biggest misconception that I think I probably had was that either a martini was A, something that was just not balanced, incredibly abrasive, I guess, and in your face, or B, something that was a really, really sweet dessert drink. I do think that I've had some new revelations on both of those ideas as well. Yeah, I I see where you're going. I think when I was early on in adulthood, you know, 21, 22, something like that. I ordered a martini at like a very Cheney type restaurant, a very Dick Cheney type restaurant, like an Outback or something like that. And it came with vodka and it had some olives in it. And it was, it was very, very dirty. I think I was trying to enjoy it because I wanted to be sophisticated. But if I'm being honest, I I really didn't. It was super boozy. And then Fast forward like 10 or 12 years, I order another martini and it was absolutely delicious. It was refreshing. It was citrusy. It was like this juniper based deliciousness. And then I asked the bartender, like, what what kind of martini is this? And then the liggy gave me was like, it's a martini. <laughs> it's just, just the martini. And so, yes, there. I, I think the point is that there's some underlying differences between what a lot of people think a martini is and what a martini actually is. And so we thought we kind of wanted to touch on that for this episode. Yes. I I think that there are probably a lot of misconceptions about martinis. And I know I definitely had them and that view has changed. It's definitely a drink that's in my repertoire now. And yeah, good stuff. Good times, good times. So we've probably seen some interesting evolutions in the martini throughout the past like decade or or two for sure. But where really did the martini start, Phil? That's the thing, Chris. No one, no one really knows. It's kind of a mystery. There's a lot of debate on that. Um, if you ask Wondrich, she's 
he's he's going to give you his take on it. If you ask Google, they're going to give you theirs. It's There's a lot of different debates on where the martini actually started, but it, it is an older cocktail. If you can call it a cocktail, it's probably started somewhere in either the mid-1800s to 1900s, early 1900s, somewhere in that range. And it basically started out as what's known as a 50-50. And basically what you had is you you had an ounce and a half of dry vermouth, you had an ounce and a half of gin, some orange bitters, and a twist. And that that was your martini. That was like the original 50-50 cocktail. Basically just equal parts gin and vermouth, yeah. And I, I think you can definitely call a martini a cocktail. You know, in our cocktails episode which was our New Year's episode. Uh, we were talking about David Embry's The Fine Art of Mixing Drinks. The martini, I'm pretty sure, is even back then and whatever that was, 64, one of his base cocktail categories. So at least in you know the classical history of cocktails, I would definitely call a martini a cocktail. Okay, good. Okay, so it started out... Good, good, good. We're on the same page. started out equal parts gin, vermouth, what type of evolutions do you think it took between then and now? I mean, they definitely got drier. They got drier because we started using more gin. Probably the most common classic gin martini would be more of like a two to one. So instead of that equal parts ratio, you've got two ounces of gin to one ounce of vermouth. And again, sticking with with the orange bitters and a twist. And then like sometimes, I mean, I've seen them even to where they'll they'll go up to like three to one or five to one, or I, yeah. I think I've even seen like a nine to one. Yeah. I, th- I think Embry's ratio is a five to one. And then it kind of depends on what, what type of martini. I think that's usually a little bit more in the gin world. And on, if you are going with a vodka martini, honestly, I've seen as dry as a 10 to one. I mean, I would try it. I would have it. Maybe not in an outback, but if you made me a 10 to one vodka martini, Chris, I would have it. So at, at like what point in time are we? Mm, good question. I, I think we're around like... 192030 so at what point do you think that the Ian Fleming association with the martini came into play obviously that's like after the 1920s all right so of course everybody loves james bond he is the sexiest man alive he is the most interesting man in the world he's really good at poker but he's terrible at ordering cocktails and i mean it's not his fault he's just a character but ian fleming on the other hand i think it is his fault okay don't you chris uh, what specifically is his fault? Well, Fleming, who who authored all the James Bond books, came up with this idea that it should be ordered shaken and not stirred. Quote, shaken, not stirred. That's that's how good old Jamesy orders his Vesper martini. And I mean, I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's like awful to do that. I, w- I wouldn't go so far as to say that it like ruins the cocktail to make it undrinkable. It's just not how a martini is served. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely one of those things that's quite debatable for a couple of reasons, I think. We just had a very successful Pancakes vs. Waffles episode, so I don't think there's ever a bad time to get into <laughs> debate. Okay, so the argument against shaking a martini. The argument against yeah. shaking the martini. Well, I, is, is it because you wouldn't want like little shavings of ice crystals inside your drink? Isn't that what shaking would do? I think, I think there's a couple of things. Pray tell. So one thing that you hear people talk about is bruising the gin. And I think there's this thought that like the botanicals in a gin are kind of a, a little bit delicate and fragile and you might like actually change the flavor of the botanicals in the gin. There's kind of another thought later on that maybe 
that the idea of bruising the gin is introducing like these small air bubbles that start to cloudy up the drink. And so it's not that crystal clear, pure looking drink and cocktail that you know, a lot of people are expecting. I think ice shavings or little little ice chunks can be a little bit of an issue. It depends on what type of ice you're using, honestly. If you're using like freezer ice, those are a lot more apt to break off and create those little pieces. You get those pieces in your drink and it's going to add extra dilution. So it might be diluting past the point that you're really wanting your drink diluted to. But honestly, like one quick simple solution to that is to double strain it, which is actually something that I end up doing with most of my shaking cocktails anyway. So you you strain it with something like a, a, a Hawthorne or a Julep strainer out of the cocktail shaker through something that's a little bit finer, like a powdered sugar sieve or something like that. And that kind of solves that problem. So that's kind of the argument against, but I've also seen uh, the flip side, which is that you can't really necessarily like actually bruise a gin and change its flavor which I don't think many people have necessarily noticed an actual change in flavor of your gin just due to shaking it. And if you can't bruise it, like what are what are the pluses in, you know, shaking something in a cocktail shaker as opposed to stirring it? I would say probably the biggest thing is honestly I think you can get something a lot colder if you're shaking it rather than stirring it. And a martini is something that I've seen described as needing to be bracingly cold. And I think I think that's like key to that refreshing ideal. Like you have a chilled coupe or Nick and Nora glass and you if you shake it, I think you do really achieve that bracingly cold ideal. So I don't know. Honestly, I'm personally kind of on the fence. I made a martini tonight to take some pictures of and I stirred it. But sometimes I, I want it really cold and I'll shake it and I'll double strain it to get rid of those little ice chips and, and keep it from over diluting. I think I've often wondered if choosing to do it one way over the other let's say if you're going to if you're going to stir the martini and not shake it do you do you think it's more just for not looking like an idiot like oh no 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 that's just not the way it's done not not here you know not in this good old boy network that's just not the way it's done whereas if you were to actually shake instead of stir the martini and then serve it to someone who didn't watch you do it i mean do you think they're even really going to notice honestly probably not <laughs> Probably not. I think there are a lot of things that are because that's the way it's done, Phil. Yeah, I think so too. Like, I mean, I think you can you can have pleated pants. Well, I don't want to go You're too far there, pants. Phil. Do you have any pleated pants, Chris? I, I would rather still. you walk around naked Phil, the 90s. than wear some pleated pants. I was I was watching like some old videos of Tiger Woods. Had and some like, mean pleats. He and all the other golfers had these pleats, and it was just ridiculous. On their like two sizes, two large khakis. Yeah. Khakis. I don't know. Okay, so Ian Fleming introduced this Vesper Martini, and it's it's mostly a martini. Uh, but there's this controversial talk about what it is real idea quick? of shaken and not stirred. After Ian Fleming, where exactly did the martini head to next? Well, it got pretty dirty. Got down and dirty with uh, with a dirty martini, which is, of course, basically just a gin martini served with olive brine. Gin or even vodka. I mean, I feel like there's kind of in in that potential time period, there's definitely this shift in mentality as to what a, a martini was. You know, if we're kind of 80s, 90s. Yeah, so basically it's it's transitioning from the gin into just straight vodka. And like this goes all the way back to what we first talked about. That Phil thought 
the martini was a vodka drink. And if it just has maybe a splash of vermouth, if it wasn't equal parts, if it just had that splash of vermouth and then maybe an olive or two, is it is it really a cocktail? I don't know that it is. I think it's just a glass of vodka and a cold <laughs> glass of vodka. Yeah, it's a cold glass. And it's like, it's not, it's just not that enjoyable. I think that's honestly kind of part of it is the image aspect. I think that's, that's when you had this image shift in the martini where there was this like masculine ideal of what a martini was. You wanted to like extra dry, extra dirty. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's this idea that like, vermouth is sweet and sweet is bad or sweet is chickish or something Mm -hmm. and thus you wanted it extra dry i i I don't know i don't know if it's kind of like a similar mentality to like i drink my whiskey neats or something but there was like some macho bravado going on (laughs) with the martini but yeah I, i i honestly i don't think that that version of the martini really is any good i don't think that like a cold glass of vodka is necessarily tasty it doesn't have a lot of depth to it right and and you can you can differ all you want phil i definitely agree with you that macho bravado ness to ordering a vodka martini or as it's often called a kangaroo i I actually think that's the actual name for it if you're going to order one it's called a kangaroo but regardless i'm not ordering um, a kangaroo it's no it's like going to an outback steakhouse on a date with pleated pants and a clip-on tie you may try to be cool, but you're not going to be cool. I wasn't cool, Chris. Okay, so that, that maybe brings us to now? Yeah, I think so. Well, okay, one one last thing. Back in like the 50s, something called a Gibson got really famous, which was basically that dirty martini, except instead of olives, it had pickled onions. And I've, I've had one of those, and I actually kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. Like it was actually pretty yummy. Yeah, it's interesting how much that garnish can actually change a martini. Indeed. Yeah, that, that leads us to now. This is this is where we are here and now. Which I think is an interesting place for the martini. I think it's it's a, a little bit of a resurgence of the classical form, maybe going back to the, the idea of what a gin martini is. And so I guess in, in, in practical terms, we've kind of hit a, a little bit on some of those ratios, but really like a martini is a spirit and a fortified wine, like a vermouth. So like in our our last episode, we talked about old fashions and the idea behind those, I guess like the the formula in a way behind those is that you have this base spirit with like a, a whiskey of some sort and something to balance it out in our simple syrup. And then some type of like flavor spice, like enhancing agent. And we do kind of have something similar here where that that base core is actually kind of split between our gin or vodka and our fortified wine, our, our vermouth. But the vermouth actually also adds a little bit of that sweetness to help balance it out. And at that point, like we don't necessarily have like a strong bitters like we do in an old fashioned to spice it. But I think that actually that garnish starts to play a little bit of that spicing role. So like I was saying to Gibson, you have an onion, which is a very, very strongly flavored thing. Then you can have, you know, a, a dirty martini that has an olive and it really enhances some of those savory, salty, briny notes in your drink. But then kind of on the other side, you can have something that's a lot more bright and refreshing with uh, a twist. And to me, it's kind of crazy at how much those small things like a garnish can really change the overall character of that drink. I think if we're comparing the martini template back to that old-fashioned template, you know, the old-fashioned that we talked about was 
kind of a, an exercise in uh, subtle balance. I think that your, your envelopes or thresholds are a little bit tighter in an old fashioned where if you add just a little too much simple, it gets cloyingly sweet. If you add too much bitters, that can overpower the bourbon and can get a little medicinal. If you have too little of those things, it just falls out of balance. But there's an interesting thing that's going on with the vermouth and your spirit. It's more of balancing to your own taste. There's a lot more variability, I think, in a martini. Honestly, I think my like personal ideal is a, a little bit more on the wet side. Two ounces of gin to one ounce of vermouth and a couple of dashes of, of orange bitters. Maybe one, one dash. And a twist. The the brightness of, of that citrus really creates this like interesting, delicate floral drink. And it's not the like harsh, gotta be manly, like rough that I think maybe a lot of us had in our minds as to like what a martini looked like. So I think as a cocktail in and of itself, there's so much personalization that can go into it. So I, I don't know if if you make martinis often, Phil. If so, like what what is your preference? Well, first of all, I just want to say yes. Yes to everything that you just said, because that sounds amazing. Probably not as experienced as you are. Probably not as grizzled, but... I have one for you, Chris. I'm going to read some ingredients, and I want you to tell me if you think this would be a good martini or a bad martini. Okay. Three ounces of gin, one ounce of vodka, one and a half ounce of a white vermouth, lille blanc, if you will, and some bitters. I think that can be a balanced drink, but that's also a super, super heavy drink. Oh, super boozy. If, yeah. you're, if you're drinking three of those, you're done. Or one. <laughs> or, or one of those. So this, this, of course, is the Vesper that we talked about. This is James Bond's drink of choice. And I think after like understanding James Bond a little bit, i.e. he kills people for a living, it does make sense that this is what he would want to kind of chill the nerves a little bit for all the bad stuff that he does. <laughs> I suppose. Definitely, definitely make it a double martini. It's kind of like how all Mexican food is really the same, just served up differently. So like all, all drinking, Chris, is really just the same. Just Served up a little bit differently. Sure. Pleats, no pleats. They're both pants. We'll go. We'll go with it. And if you want to go with it too, you can hit us up on social at Dad's Kitchen Co. And well, while you're at it, jump over to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. Thanks, and we love you. 